0: our series, as we're looking at timeless wisdom in a world that's chaotic, confusing, what if we had a little bit more insight into how to navigate in the darkness? When I was new to following Jesus, my most common prayer as kind of a young man was asking God for humility and boldness. I think in large part because I struggled with being judgmental and anxious and I wanted the antidote to that. I've discovered as I've grown up that really being judgmental and anxious is kind of like a, a part of our DNA as a family. I remember spending time growing up and being a little bit confused. Everybody's so nice and warm and kind to each other. And then we'd get in the car and drive away and talk about how ridiculous they all were. And I remember thinking, well, that's weird because they're just, just like us. How is this so different? And yet, in the midst of that, I I wanted something different. I, I didn't want to be so judgmental. I didn't want to look down on other people. And so that's why I chose to pray for humility. I wanted to actually see others the way God sees them. See, choosing humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's actually thinking more highly of others. It's actually being willing to learn from others, to serve others, and not look down on others. And, and I wanted boldness. I, I didn't want to let my fear keep me from what God had for me. What's really interesting as I prayed that for years. I found myself as a 28-year-old serving as a youth pastor in East Los Angeles, And it was a challenging spot. I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, and so it was very different than what I was used to, even for my previous four years in Seattle. And I went to our pastor, and I asked him for guidance. I said, what do you see I could do better? And he gave me some ideas that I took note of. And then I said, well, and what do you see me doing well? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, well, actually, Eric, you're really good at working with people who are more talented than you are. It's like, thank you? Is that the the best I could do? And and actually, he went on to explain that that's actually a really good thing. See, some people are only willing to work with people less talented than them, and that gives them a really small pool of people to influence and serve. But if you can work with people more talented than you, you have an unlimited capacity to influence others. And so I took that, that down and thought, well, I guess that is good, and I really want to get more talented, you know. <laughs> but even being in ministry for over 30 years, every week I, I ask my wife, is there something I could have done better in the message? Between services, I ask if there's any tweaks I should, should do. I, I still try to help out, you know, cleaning At home and here at the church, like I never want to be too good for anything because I don't want to relapse into being a judgmental person. I don't want to relapse into seeing myself as better than anyone. And just as we talk about in Restore Recovery, as we saw in the movie last night, Days of Wine and Roses, you need to keep working the steps the rest of your life or you will relapse into destructive habits. I don't want to have a mindset that sees anyone less than how God sees them. See, you were created in the image of God. God created you on purpose and for a purpose. And when we begin to see that in others, we actually have the ability to learn from others. We can begin to learn from everyone and everything that we experience. Otherwise, we miss out on the wisdom of others' perspectives They might have a different experience than us. Now, I wish I could say I was always like this. Certainly, I can relapse into thinking I know best from time to time. Absolutely, there are times when I can become defensive. I know there's a proverb that says that a rebuke from a friend is like a kiss on the lips, but it still feels like a slap to the face, doesn't it? But when I slow down enough, when I reconnect with God enough, I can take even the hardest moments and learn from it grow from it. There are people around you that God has brought into your life that can actually be a big help to you, to guide you, to learn from. The question is, are we listening to them? Are we easily offended? Are we quick to become defensive? Are we willing to get past our feelings to see the truth that they may have to offer us? If we can't if we aren't careful, we might find ourselves repeating the same mistakes instead of learning from others and avoiding those troubles. Now, in week one of the series, we saw that the source of wisdom is God himself, that he has revealed himself to all of creation. He has revealed his ways to us. And we can see that in Psalm 19. It says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Have you ever had a chance to really just look into the sky and see the stars? It's hard to do that from the city. I remember the best view of the stars I've ever had was in the big island of Hawaii, We're going down this road where there were no lights anywhere around us. We were kind of in the middle of the island. I don't know if anyone had driven on that road all day. And I did something I thought was hilarious and awesome and terrified my wife and two younger children at the time. I turned off the lights as I'm driving. Well, they started screaming. It wasn't nearly as fun after they started screaming. And so I eventually slowed down. We stopped and took a moment to look and just see the sky filled with lights, planets and galaxies, billions of stars. It was a remarkable experience and you cannot help but feel small. See, God is so big and yet be in awe of the fact that the God of the universe reveals himself to us and wants a relationship with each and every one of us. We are made in the image of God, and then because of that, we have the ability to actually live out God's attributes here on earth. We can create, we can discover, we can grasp wisdom. And the Proverbs we find that have been written down throughout all of time are evidence that humans have tapped into the heart of God. Societies who know God and those who don't all seem to discover and point to the same wisdom that we find written in the scriptures and demonstrated in the life of Jesus. In this series, we're exploring proverbs from around the world that point to different aspects of wisdom, and we looked at a proverb from China, one from India, and today we're looking at one from Nigeria. It's this proverb. It says, the wise create proverbs for fools to learn, not to repeat. Now, its meaning is pretty straightforward. The sayings or proverbs of the wise and the old are there for us to learn from so we don't have to repeat all the mistakes that they have made on their way to becoming wise. So the question is, are you a person who learns from everything and everyone around you, or do you have a thing or two to learn when it comes to wisdom? There are a few books in the scripture that are actually referred to as wisdom literature. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, read together, they give us a holistic view of what the good life is and how to be wise. But we can also get pictures of wisdom throughout the stories we read in the rest of scriptures. We can start to see every character in the scriptures as a case study, some who made wise choices and some who made unwise choices, and see the consequences of those decisions. We can also look at the life of Jesus who lived a life of perfect wisdom and embodied the truth that we can learn from him. And there's a passage uh, in the scriptures, in the book of Proverbs, that hits the same theme of the Nigerian proverb, but I have to warn you, it's actually quite disgusting. But we're going to go there, because it's in the Bible. It says this, Proverbs 26, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. Now, any of you have a dog? Who has a dog? I've heard there are more dogs than Christians in Austin. I don't know if that's true, but they're everywhere. There are dogs everywhere. And if you have a dog, even the cutest of dogs, when it says it returns to its vomit, it doesn't mean it just walks over and sniffs it. This is where it gets gross. It will actually eat what it's thrown up. That's what the Bible says. I'm just quoting it, right? Now, it's important to understand that as modern people, we don't really get that there were mostly wild dogs in those days. Ancient Israelites didn't have their little household pets like we do. And, and so when they're thinking about a dog, they're thinking more like dogs out in the wild. That's, you can see, eating the grossness. Probably ate something it shouldn't have and threw it up and now is eating that again. Sorry, it's really disgusting. They're not talking about the little rescue dog that you give it a little teddy bear haircut that has a flowery collar with their name on it, sleeps in a fluffy bed. Although those dogs do the same thing. It's in their nature. Instead, I want you to imagine a, a wild pack of standard poodles. <laughs> or maybe a, a wild pack of chihuahuas. Are chihuahuas even domesticated now? It's hard to tell. I'm not quite sure. But it's in a dog's nature to actually do this. Just like it's in our nature to do foolish things, even when it might hurt us, even when it's not good for us, even when we know better. If we're honest, we've experienced that in our own lives. It's easier to spot in the lives of other people. We can see they're doing the same thing. How can they keep doing that? They're dating the same person just with a different name. Right? They keep getting fired because they keep showing up late. They just don't see it. And yet we too can find ourselves doing foolish things. See, the fool has way more need to change because they think they are wise. They, de- they deceive themselves on who they are. By the way, the phrase, think they are wise, you could also translate it as wise in their own eyes. They think they know it all, but there is hope for even the fool, that someone might come along to them and and share the truth with them, and they might open up their heart and mind and hear it, or they might make a mistake so painful that they might learn from that and actually seek to change. See, we all play the fool sometimes. We're born into the world as fools. I didn't share this yesterday at the parent-baby dedication. But did you know that a baby is known to start lying as young as six months of age? It's just born within us. And then as kids grow up, soon they're asking mom and dad for help, but it doesn't take too long before they know everything. Have you noticed that? Have you ever had a kid tell you, I know? And you're thinking, if you knew, I wouldn't be telling you because you don't know. And yet how many of us have gone through that phase in our life, or maybe are in that phase, where we think we already know it all. When my kids were in middle school and would tell me, I know, I would want to look at their little cute face and say, how can you know when you're only 10 and I'm a full-grown man and I still don't know? We all have foolishness within us and the potential to live a foolish life. If we ignore this fact, the foolishness has an ability to keep us feeling justified, and we lack the wisdom that we need to see reality. I don't want to be a fool, and I definitely don't want to be the person who thinks I'm wise when I'm not. And the way to avoid this is to develop what's called a growth mindset. Because the wise are open to learning wisdom from everyone and everything that God may put in their path. Now, this phrase, growth mindset, was coined by Carol Dweck in the book called Mindset. She writes, a growth mindset is the belief that abilities and intelligence can be developed through dedication, hard work, and the right kind of encouragement. See, this is a contrast to the fixed mindset where people believe that their talents and abilities are innate gifts and unchangeable. See, those with a growth mindset, they embrace challenge. They perceive effort as a pathway towards mastery, and they view setbacks as opportunities to learn and grow. Those with a growth mindset learn from their mistakes, while those with a fixed mindset do not. A growth mindset looks like someone who's given feedback that they actually listen to and make plans to change. They decide to grow in this way and actually actively work towards shifting the way they respond they ask for feedback they believe that they can get better at something or someone with a fixed mindset with the same feedback would say something like well that's just how I see it I don't like change so that's how it is I was talking with one of the kids workers and she does this with her kids she's read this book and she said that's such a part of my language now when my eight-year-old son is struggling ...with something and frustrated, I say, don't worry, That's it's not hard, it's just new. Or when he says, I can't do it, you can say, I can't do it yet. Just opening your mind to the possibility that growth can happen. See, that's how God made us. He made us thinking, learning, curious beings designed to have the ability and the opportunity to continue to grow... Throughout our entire lives, becoming more wise, becoming who He's created us to be. We have the ability to stop and observe, to learn and grow no matter where we are, who's around us. In fact, we see this in Jesus Himself when He was a child. In Luke chapter 2, it says this And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. What if we had that mindset? Do you have a growth mindset? Are you stuck and feel like change is impossible? If we choose to have a growth mindset, then there are several key factors that will help us to become people who, like the Nigerian proverb said, learn from the proverbs of the wise and don't repeat their mistakes. Number one, be a person open to learning from everyone and everything all at once. God has made us thinking, learning, curious beings. We have the ability to stop and observe, to learn no matter who we're with. And we can see this in the life of Paul. He was a Pharisee. He was a very religious person. In fact, very proud of his religious heritage. And it led him to a place where he was persecuting people who followed Jesus. To the point where he was holding the cloaks of men who were throwing stones and killed a man named Stephen. Whose only crime was that he was talking about Jesus who he'd seen alive and so in spite of all of his accomplishments there was a moment where paul had an encounter with jesus he was blinded in that vision and suddenly he was more open to a different future listen to what happens in philippians chapter 3 Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Jesus." More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Paul had the humility to realize that all of his worldly accomplishments were like trash, like refuse, compared to what he found in knowing God. I remember when I first found this connection with God, this joy and peace and love in a relationship with God through Jesus, it was like the world went from black and white to full color, HD. God has so much more to offer us. And what's sad is oftentimes, even as people who follow Jesus, we can put back on the black and white glasses see things through a negative filter. But Paul had the humility to actually stop pursuing what he thought was right and pursue the one who revealed himself in Jesus. He had all the right accolades from the outside looking in. He was blameless. But when he found Jesus, he realized all those exterior things did not matter. And in verse 8, he says, I count all these things to be a loss compared to knowing Jesus. He gave up status and money and still said, I'm living the best life. You and I, we can learn from the people around us. Even if they vote differently, look differently, believe differently. That's part of what I love about our church family. I love how diverse we are. There's so much wisdom in this room in this community because we come from different backgrounds and have had different experiences. And when you get to know one another, you begin to become more wise when you have a mindset that's open to learning. Do you have a growth mindset where you're open to learning from those that God has put in your path? We can learn from those who are around us if we're humble enough seeking to gain wisdom. Back in Philippians, in chapter 4 of his letter, Paul shares wisdom that he's learned through life. He says this, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I wonder if any of you recognize that last verse, if you grew up going to church at all. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I remember when I was in youth group at the church where I grew up, and we had a group come to town called the Power Team. Any of you heard of them? The Power Team were these big, bulked-up guys who, because of the strength they had in Jesus, could rip a telephone book in half. And I remember being a 16-, 17-year-old like, oh, my gosh, following Jesus, I can get that ripped? (laughs) Just following Jesus means I can rip a telephone book. And so I started doing push-ups, drinking a little bit more milk, and it never happened. <laughs> I know that surprises you, but see, that's not what it means here. That's kind of the Western view. I can do all things, all things. The things he's talking about is I can be content in all circumstances. I can be cons- content whether I have everything I want or only what I need. And Hunger, or being well-fed in plenty or in want. Jesus enables me to live with contentment because he gives me all I need, the deepest needs from within. Paul is content in every kind of circumstance because he's realized that God is with him through the bad. He comforts when we need comfort. He mourns when we are mourning. He celebrates with us. He's with us, guiding us through the worst moments. And every good gift we have is from him. James, the half brother of Jesus, says it this way Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's a hard one. Do you count it as joy when you meet trials? I find myself mostly frustrated, mostly angry. But when I can step back and ask God, God, I don't know why you're allowing this, but what do you want me to learn? What good can you bring out of this? It changes everything. Jesus said it this way in John, Gospel of John, chapter 16. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. That's a promise, But here's a bigger truth, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You and I, when we choose to follow Jesus, become overcomers, do you know that about yourself? Sometimes we forget and we live as if we've been overwhelmed instead of overcoming. Number two, we can learn from our mistakes and failures. We don't have to be afraid to make mistakes and fail. Failure is a part of learning. What if a child decided that they never wanted to fail so they refused to learn new concepts at school? We'd all say that's ridiculous and yet how often do we say the same thing as adults? I I don't wanna make a mistake so I'm not even gonna try. I remember when I was a substitute teacher for kindergartners up in Waco. I had a little boy in my class named Dudley And he was crying on the day we were working on D's. And I went over and looked at his paper, and it was not looking good. I mean, his name looked more like doubly. It was bad. And I don't know if you remember the paper in elementary school, kindergarten especially. It's huge. So I grabbed his hand as he grabbed the pencil, and I helped him make his big D. And then I helped him make his little D, and he slowly stopped crying. And later he came to me, and he gave me a valentine. It said, roses are red, violets are blue. I don't remember what it said, neither do you. And it was signed, in cursive, love Jennifer. I remember being so confused and concerned. <laughs> had he stolen this, you know, valentine? And then it dawned on me, this was a gift from someone else. He had nothing to thank me with other than his own valentine. I kept it for years. I probably still have it if my wife didn't hate my hoarding so much. <laughs> and, <laughs> But see... Could you imagine if he just quit at five? I'm not gonna, I can never do my D's. I will quit. I will forever be doubly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> how silly, how ridiculous. And yet why do we think we have to have it all figured out? See, failure gives us the opportunity to learn, to grow. God loves us whether we mess up or not. And when we're trying to do something new, we will be amazed at what we can discover. And number three, learn that your identity is in Jesus and nothing else. When you choose to follow Jesus, your identity changes. Paul could be content in all things because he knew the creator of all things. We can count it as joy when we go through trials because we know that God is good and he won't leave us and that one day all things will be made right. And so I want to put on the screen just six of the things that are true of you if you follow Jesus. And when you find yourself overwhelmed, remind yourself that you're an overcomer. You are his child that he knows by name. You are forgiven, you are chosen, you are worth giving his life to Jesus. You're giving the spirit of God to dwell within you. And one day you will be with God and live in perfection and with him forever. See, the wise create proverbs for fools to learn, not to repeat. So I want to create just a space for honest evaluation. Ask yourself these questions. Maybe rank yourself from one to five. Five being, I'm doing great, and one, I don't even know what you're talking about. Do you have a growth mindset? Or are you stuck believing change isn't possible? And what aspects have you think of today? Could you apply a more wise approach and begin growing again? Is it learning from everyone and everything? Or have you found yourself isolated? Have you jumped into community? Are you willing to learn from others? Are you open and courageous, ready to try something new, even if you fail, even if you make a mistake? Are you taking your spiritual growth seriously making it a priority you see jesus walked among us lived a perfect life he taught with authority he healed those who were sick cared for those who were marginalized and neglected and ultimately gave his life willingly taking upon himself the sins of humanity and it killed him on the cross but on the third day he rose and he's alive, and he offers us new life, that we can have a relationship with God for what he's done for us. We're going to actually come to a time of communion. Communion is symbolic of that body of Jesus that he was willing to have killed for you and me, and the blood he's willing to shed for you and me. And if you're here and just kind of checking out faith, just use this as a chance to reflect. But if you've wanted a relationship with God, you've wanted to experience the forgiveness and the joy and the peace that he offers, all you have to do is just confess, Jesus, I need you. I need what you did on the cross to count for me. And if you pray that today for the first time, you can take communion right now as someone who follows Jesus for the first time. If you've already been walking with God, I wanna just create the space for you to examine your heart. Just a few moments, just with a little bit of music behind us, it's your chance to examine your heart. Just ask God, God, what are the areas of my life where I've been wise in my own eyes? What are the areas of my life that I'm not surrendering to you? Where have I gone my own way, just take a moment to confess any choices you've made that you know have brought distance between you and God. Just ask him to forgive you, and then together we'll take communion in a moment. But examine your heart in this moment. Father, forgive us for the choices we've made that have gone our own way, for the times when we've made destructive choices, foolish choices, selfish choices. Forgive us. We need what you did on the cross, Jesus, to count for us. And as we take communion, we acknowledge our need for you in our hearts, God. So if you take the elements that you received when you came in, if you do not have them and you'd like them, just raise your hand. We have some greeters around the room that can help. And if you'll just take the part with the bread. Scriptures tell us, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, After supper, he took the cup saying this cup represents the new covenant, a covenant made through the shedding of my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death resurrection until he returns. God, thank you that you came for us. No one else is coming for us, but you came for us. You offer us new life. God, we pray this would be a new start, a fresh start, that we would walk in wisdom, your wisdom, today and tomorrow and beyond, and that we would bring your life and joy and peace to those around us. And anyone, God, who took communion for the first time as someone who follows you, God, would you give them the courage to let us know that we might help them in their journey? And God, for those who are still just exploring, I just pray they would truly explore and that you would reveal yourself to them. So God, hear our hearts as we sing this closing song. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together.